0: Hey, how many of you are ready to hear from God's Word this morning, right? Okay, that's good. So those of you online, watching online, those of you who are here, that's why we are here this morning, to hear God speaks to, speak to us. And God speaks to us through a variety of ways, but primarily God speaks to us through His Word, through the Bible. Um, it's God's Word to us. And so we open it and on a weekly basis and we study it um, and we refer to it. Um, we preach and teach from it because that's the way that God speaks to us. Primarily through the word is the Holy Spirit. God's presence on earth today causes it to come alive in our hearts. Otherwise, it's just words on a page. Um, when God's Holy Spirit doesn't do his work in our lives and we're not open to that. My hope is this morning that you guys that are here, um, that you will be, um, participants with this story this morning, um, that you will listen and that you will ask yourself the question, where do I see myself in this story? Um, as I teach from Acts chapter 19 this morning, you will engage, you'll follow your notes and that will help you stay on track and it'll actually help me stay on track, um, And you will ask yourself that question again, where do I see myself? Who do I identify with in the story? There's four different groups of people or persons in the story. Um, This is not necessarily on your notes, but I want you to think about this this morning. Um, There's four different groups of people that you might identify with. Uh, One is the Apostle Paul, um, and he's kind of the primary character in the story that, that enters in at the very beginning. So one is the Apostle Paul. Uh, the second group of people or persons that you might identify with are uh, newer believers um, that Paul is going to speak to as soon as he gets to the scene, the city that he's going to. So there's a group of newer believers, newer believers whose understanding of God and the Holy Spirit in particular um, is incomplete, like how I said, in particular, so, that was weird, so But in particular, their understanding of the Holy Spirit is incomplete. They're very unfamiliar. And some of you in here this morning, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. The Holy Spirit stuff, like, is this Casper the Friendly Ghost? I'm out of here. I'm leaving this church, right? So these newer believers were really unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit working in their lives. That's the second group, and that's some of you in here. The third group of people uh, in this story... um, it's about seven guys, seven sons, and they're called the seven sons of Sceva. And they were familiar with Paul, who we first mentioned, and they're familiar with Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. In other words, they didn't have a relationship with Jesus, they weren't followers of Jesus Christ. They were familiar with him, and that's some of you, some of you listening online. You've been been around Christianity a long time and you're really familiar, but that's about it. You've never chosen to take that step to become born again, to invite Christ into your life. The third group of people, or excuse me, the last group of people um, are believers in the church who recognized that they had things in their past that they loved things in their past that they held on to that were opposed to what it means to follow Jesus Christ. They were Christ followers. Some of us are like this. They were Christ followers, but there are things that we hold on to that are diametrically opposed to what God tells us through his word, what it means to follow him, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's some of you guys here, you're like, oh, yeah, I got, I got stuff in my life that I'm holding on to from my past. I love it. And I just, I love it, and I'm, I just can't let go of it. And I know, I find it valuable, but I know that it's, it's not God's best for me. And some of you guys are going to identify with that group of people. So as you listen, there's four groups. Paul, these newer believers, the seven sons of Sceva, And then these Christians who were holding on to their past. I want you to ask yourself that question as you listen. Who do I identify with? And it might be multiple people. So let me read to you, starting out in Acts chapter 19. I want to remind you that um, this is written in about the year 54 AD. And so sometimes I I like to remind, I like to write like that in my Bible, um, like years and stuff, because I forget, you know, It takes me about 10 minutes to read from Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 19. Remember, a guy named Luke, who's a physician, he's documenting the birth of the church and he's writing a letter to a guy named Theopolis. We like to call him Theo. And so Theo was going to get this letter and he was documenting these things because he wanted Theo to be sure of the things that were being taught to him. So Luke is a physician and he's writing this letter telling about all these things taking place in particular at this point in time the church is about 25ish years old so you know you read you read you know 19 chapters and you can do that in 10 minutes but it's actually 25 years of history that's taking place and dr luke is telling about a guy named paul who had been a persecutor of christianity been a persecutor of Christians. And Jesus appears to him on a road. He has a vision. Jesus appears to him. He figures out, having this encounter with Jesus, that, um, that Jesus is really the Son of God, that he died on a cross. He really rose again. And he commits his heart and his life to Jesus Christ and begins following and pursuing Jesus. And Paul in fact, becomes probably the greatest missionary Christianity has ever known. And he takes all these trips, missionary trips, and he travels all across the Mediterranean, the middle uh, Mediterranean, you know, around Turkey, and he goes over to Rome and Israel. He travels all around those areas telling people about Jesus Christ. He takes several trips. And in this particular time, Acts chapter 19, Paul is getting ready to start his third missionary trip. matter of fact, in the previous chapter, verse 23, tells us that he starts his third missionary trip. And the reason he did that is he's going back to these cities because he's a good pastor. And he's going back to these cities and he's making sure that they're being taught the right things. And he had people that were opposed to him and that were telling the church the wrong things. So Paul goes back to tell them the right things, to reaffirm the things that he had taught them. And he goes back to one city in particular called Ephesus. Now Ephesus is a city that's no longer there, but it's in Turkey, in modern day Turkey. And it's on the coast, the western part of Turkey. And it was this, most theologians, archaeologists tell us there's probably 250,000 people at one point point in one time that lived in this city. People from all over the world, it was a major trade route. So people from Europe would travel up and they would travel to Ephesus by boat, sometimes by land, and then that was a launching off point to go all the way over into China and to Asia, and so it was this trade route from Europe to China, back and forth, back and forth. So it was this great place where thousands and thousands and thousands of people would come in on a regular basis. Also, we're told that in this city called Ephesus, it was the hometown of a goddess. And her name, and the Romans would refer to her as Diana. The um, Turkish people over there, the Greeks would refer to her as Artemis. And she was the goddess of sex, love, fertility. So in her temple was one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. And people would go, obviously they would go to this temple, and it was all run by women, like women ruled, right? Women power, right? And the women ran this temple, and they would have thousands upon thousands of prostitutes. And we can imagine, right? Let your, your imagination, well, don't let it run wild this morning. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's almost awkward. <laughs> But you can imagine, or maybe you can't and shouldn't imagine, the things that were going on. Don't imagine the things that were going on in this temple. But stuff was going on, right? You had to have kids. You wanted your spouse or whatever to have kids and fertility. And yeah, so that's that's the kind of stuff. That's the environment that was taking place in this city called Ephesus. Paul had been there before. This is his third trip. And he goes back to Ephesus to encourage the followers of Jesus Christ. There had been a guy there; his name is Apollos. You know, Apollos was a great teacher. He had the gift of speaking, and uh, he was he was a great teacher. Chapter uh, eighteen tells us, though, that Apollos, um, although he was a very gifted communicator, his understanding of following Jesus was pretty incomplete. There was a husband-wife team named Aquila and Priscilla, and the two of them really brought Apollos under their wing and began to teach them a little bit more of what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. And then they we're told that, that Paul comes and Apollos. They send Apollos to another city called Corinth where we get the letter of Corinthians. And Paul, so this letter picks up. Paul starting his third missionary journey. A guy named Apollos is there, and he goes to another city called Corinth, and this is what's going on. It says, verse 1, while Apollos was in Corinth, because he left the church in Ephesus to go to this other city, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled throughout the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. Now, if you read back this chapter, we, we find out that Paul traveled about 1,000 miles by foot on these missionary journeys. He goes from northern Israel all the way over to Ephesus, 1,000 miles by foot that Paul travels. He goes through the interior all throughout Turkey until he reaches Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. If you have your Bible or whatever, you can underline that. We'll come back to it. He found several believers. Other translations put it like this, that he sought out, that he looked for, he searched for other believers. Paul finds these other believers and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed now, that's kind of a weird question, um, because if you're a follower of Christ, Romans, Paul would write another letter, Romans chapter 8 with verse 9 says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. So it's kind of an odd question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Theologians, people who do this for a living, for thousands of years have kind of debated this. They said, oh, I'm not really too sure, what does Paul mean? Because it says when you believe, that word believed is used 20 times in the book of Acts. And every single time it's used, it's used in reference to believing in Jesus Christ. So it seems like he's talking to people who have believed, who've trusted in Jesus Christ. But he sees something that's missing in their lives. And it seems to be the Holy Spirit is missing in their lives. Paul notices something's missing. He's like, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ? Some theologians say they're not really Christians here at this point in time, and that's plausible. It's possible. But I think because that word believed, and every time it's used in the book of Acts, it refers to Christians, people who have trusted Christ. But he notices something about the Holy Spirit working in their life is missing. Have you ever ever thought there's something missing in my life as a Christ follower? I wonder what it is that's missing in my life. He goes on, he says, no, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He says, then what baptisms did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. We'll come back, I'll explain this. Paul said, Apostle Paul, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues, and they prophesied. They spoke forth for God or spoke about God. There were about 12 men in all. There's a couple things I want you guys to notice on your notes. The very first thing I wrote on your notes is Paul, I want you to notice in verse one, it says when he went to Ephesus, what did he do? He looked for or he sought after or searched for other believers. That's kind of your first fill-in. Paul always looked for people to disciple. And my question is, Who are you looking to pour your life into? Whenever Paul went someplace, he looked for people that he said, yes, these people are hungry. They want to know more about Jesus Christ. And Paul always looked for people to disciple. Remember two weeks ago, I I talked, I spoke, and I said, there's three kinds of people you need in your life, right? If you were here. I said, first of all, everybody needs a who in your life? Oh, well, Barnabas, that was kind of second, but yes, okay. (laughs) Everybody needs a who, it starts with the letter P. Thank you. Everybody needs a Paul in their life, right? Everybody needs someone who's not necessarily chronologically older, but who is more mature further along in their walk with Jesus Christ than you. And then I said, not only does everybody need a Paul in your life, everybody does need a Barnabas in your life. Someone who will come alongside of you and encourage you, sometimes kick you in the butt, right? The Bible says to spur one another on to love and good deeds, right? We need people like to come alongside and be a cheerleader for us, a Barnabas. That's what his name means, son of encouragement. And I said, everybody needs a Timothy in their life. Paul had men in his life that were, again, not necessarily always chronologically younger, but who were younger in the relationship with Christ than him, that he would train up and that he would mentor in their life. And I've been encouraged the last couple of weeks, I've heard a lot of you guys, the women in particular, saying things like, you know what, I really want a Paul. I really want somebody who's older in my life, another woman in my life who can mentor me. And that's a good and that's a healthy thing. But what I do find interesting is that a lot of people, they say they want someone older, but then there's no Timothy in their life. There's no one younger than them in their life that they're looking out to pour their life into. I'm like, "Well, well, you've been a Christian for 20 years and you're still looking for a Paul, but you don't have a Timothy in your life. And it doesn't really matter how far along you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ because you're trusting in Jesus Christ. You're trusting him. Paul found several believers that he could pour his life into. And I hear people saying, oh, I'm looking for Paul, but where's the Timothy? Paul was very intentional, specific. He looked for people. Who are you looking for to pour your life into? You know, Jesus commanded us, this is your next fill-in. Jesus commanded us to make disciples, not be disciples. He assumes that you are a disciple if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But he commands us to go make disciples. Right? Matthew 28, 19, therefore go, Jesus says, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Could it be the act of making disciples that we actually become more of who Christ called us to be? Think about that. Some of us, I notice, I don't know about you guys, but I know that I grow most in my walk with Jesus Christ when I'm intentional and I look for people that I can pour my life into to help them along in their walk with Jesus Christ. That's when I grow the very most is when I'm intentional about seeking other people out. Some of you are like, ah, oh, you know, I haven't grown in years. Yeah, you're not even pouring yourself into anybody else. You don't have anybody that you're intentionally seeking out, helping them in their walk with Jesus Christ. You know, and you can, that same kind of a concept, you can transfer it over to a lot of different other areas of our lives and things of mentoring at work or things of mentoring and helping other, coaching other people in sports. You name it, on and on and on. You find that's when you grow the most. I love our, um, my, our, our alpha that we do on Thursday nights. Alpha is like a 13-week-long course, and and we've been doing it for years and years here, and I've probably done it 10 times myself. And every time I do Alpha, I just, even though it's the same things year after year, I love it because I feel like I grow so much by watching and participating, asking questions, and, and having people in the groups ask questions of me. I mean, it is just like, who would not want to go to Alpha? Who would not want to take somebody else that they know? Like, I don't know how to disciple somebody, well... Take them to Alpha. It's super, super rich. My buddy Herschel and Kim are here. and Right now, this quarter, we, we only have two people that are super consistent, and that's fine with me. I love spending time with Kim and with Herschel week after week because we get to talk about Jesus and walk together. And there's nothing more rich than being intentional about pouring your life into somebody else. It's funny, this past Friday night, Debbie and I and uh, another couple in our church, we went up to... Um, to Ann Arbor to go to a Catholic church to go to a worship night in this Catholic church and it was great it was super rich and it was just peaceful and it was really really good but one of the things that I thought was so interesting is I walked into this Catholic church and they have you know things you know whatever is I don't know tracks that's what you call them they had all this kind of stuff all you know in, in an area a Catholic church has tracks right and one of the things that they were pushing even when he went and sat down in their Benches and, you know, uh, I noticed they had tracks all over the place about Alpha. And they want people to come to know Jesus Christ and to follow Jesus Christ. And so they're telling people about Alpha. I'm thinking, ah, oh, man. I, man I, I hope that people in North Point will be like, oh, God, help me to stop being so selfish with my time. Help me to stop being so selfish with what you're doing in my life. Help me to stop thinking so little of myself. That's pride, a negative form of pride. That I'm not willing to pour myself into somebody else. Because you command us, you tell us, Jesus, to go make disciples. Help me, I want to be like Paul and I want to pour my life into somebody else because I, I also know, Jesus, that's when I'm going to grow the most. I'm going to quit whining and complaining. The fact that I don't have a Paul, someone older than me. Go do it for somebody else. Quit complaining. Go do it. Listen to Scripture. And you'll grow. And then maybe somebody will seek you out too at the same time. Trust Jesus with it. Going on, Paul asked these disciples, these new believers... He asked them a question about the Holy Spirit. Paul noticed something missing in their life. And again, for some of us in this room this morning, we've been a Christ follower for a long time, but we haven't really been taught or thought about the Holy Spirit at all. We haven't even been thinking about it. Thinking about him working our lives. I wrote, Paul's question to the believers refers to the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and he fills our life. This is your filling for guidance, for ministry, for power. Right, Acts chapter one, Jesus talking, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Part of the way you know, oh, there's something missing in my life. There's some kind of power and authority and ministry because I don't witness to anybody. I don't tell anybody about it. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit like that, you can't help but tell other people about Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever experienced that? Raise your hand. Okay, about three of you. Okay, good, okay. I mean, that's what happens. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have this power, this guidance. The Holy Spirit teaches us, comforts us, comes alongside of us. And I think that's what was going on with these believers here. They, they, their understanding of the Holy Spirit was really incomplete. They really didn't know that the Holy Spirit was available to them even. I wrote in my notes or on the slide, have you ever wondered what was missing in your spiritual lives? Have you ever considered it was a relying on, a filling of the Holy Spirit? Not to be, because there's two Catholic references, but, you know, um, sorry about that, but, you know, there's a a book um, by a Catholic priest, and I love the title of his book. It's called Intoxicated... By the Spirit. He's just talking about this overwhelming filling and presence of the Holy... This is a Catholic priest talking about this. Oh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, you can't help but be a witness for Jesus Christ. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. You know, I I think it's okay for me to share this second service. There was a guy in our first service, his name is Ben. And I just met Ben a couple weeks ago. And, um, in about, I don't know, several months ago, this past fall, I was, uh, over at Roger and Kristen's, uh, auto shop and I see these pictures on their wall and it's, it's of rocks and hearts. And I'm like, what's going on here? This is They're like, oh yeah, there's this guy, his name's Ben. He takes pictures of rocks. He finds rocks with hearts. And yeah, that's his thing. I'm like, okay, that's weird. So, <laughs> you know, but that's his thing. And next thing I know, Ben shows up at our church about a month or so ago. I don't know who he is. I'm just talking to some guy out on the sidewalk like I do, and he pulls out this rock. He's like, hey, look at this. I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, it's a heart. I'm like, oh, yeah, it kind of is a heart, you know? He's like, you want it? I'm like, well, not really, but, you know, what am I going to say? You're new to our church. No. I take the rock, you know. He's like, yeah, I find them everywhere. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, and he starts sliding through his phone showing me, you know, hearts and tree stumps and, you know. It's just weird. I mean, hearts everywhere, right? You know, and I kind of wanted to throw the rock away, but I put the rock up in my dash in my Jeep, and I just kind of left it there, and it's just been sitting there ever since then, and I see it all the time. I'm like, you know, this guy, you know, that's his thing, looking for heart rocks and hearts in places, and he, when he finds these rocks with hearts, you know, it's, he's reminded of God's love and God's presence in our lives and in our world. And it's weird. And He knows it's weird. You know, and he said it's weird. And I think it's weird, too. But, you know, and that's, I'm never going to be the heart, I, oh, Lord, I hope, please. I don't ever want to be, I don't want to be the heart rock guy. But, I, but I'm like, you know, Ben's doing it. Ben's out there, he's sharing about Jesus Christ in his weird kind of way, you know, his own way. It's unique to him, and that's cool. And I don't know how God's wired you or what he's doing in your life, how you can express the love of Jesus Christ and like have some authority and some power in your life and because you're relying and depending upon the Holy Spirit. So Paul's questioning them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit when you believed? We're told that you'll receive power, in your belief. They had some outward manifestations of that happening. And, and I don't know, sometimes when you get filled with spirit, things are going to happen. You know, nothing that ever you can't control, like because, you know, God says that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in our, in our lives like that, where we can't control it. We can't control what's happening. Some people are, are overwhelmed with emotion. They just feel the, the, they feel the presence of God in life like they've never felt before. Some people hear God more clearly than they've ever heard God before. Some people just have a love for other people like they've never had before. I don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit's gonna work in your life. But the question is, is have you been filled, have you been intoxicated by the Holy Spirit's power and presence in your life? Let me go on here. Verse eight it says, then Paul after he prays for these, these 12 people and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That was what was missing in their lives. Then Paul went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Now, I underline that because I want you guys to think about this. Paul goes, and what does he talk about? What is important to Paul when he goes to the synagogue and he preaches there and teaches there and talks there? He's talking about the God's kingdom, And I find Christians, they want to argue about so many things in life and most of it has nothing to do at all with God's kingdom. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why is that so important to you when it has nothing to do with God's kingdom? This translation, the NLT says that he argued persuasively. Other translations say that he contended, he had conversation, he had dialogue there was this conversation that was taking place for 3 months as he went to the synagogue about the kingdom of God What do you argue about with people around you What do you have conversation about that you're passionate What does that have to do with God's kingdom But some became stubborn rejecting Paul's message in public speaking against the way against following Jesus. So Paul left the synagogue and he took those same believers, he took them with him. I wrote in my in my notes that Paul was on a mission. Do you live your life on mission? Is your focus on the kingdom of God? What's your mission? And how are you living it out? Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you that's helping you live that mission out? Are you intentionally seeking other people out? Are you intentionally being filled with the Holy Spirit in your life? Paul goes on, or actually Luke goes on as he's documenting this. And says, talking about Paul, after he left there, it says, then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for about, for the next two years. So Paul would go, He, you know, Paul was, the Apostle Paul, this guy who persecuted Christians who wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. This guy named Paul who was a persecutor of Christians who decides, who Jesus appears to him, he changes and he follows Jesus Christ. Paul was a tent maker by trade. So he literally would make tents so typically a work schedule was like this during the life of Paul. People would get up in the morning. They would work from, from like 7 a.m. till about 11 or 12 o'clock-ish, the hottest part of the day. From 11 or 12 until 4, they'd all have a siesta. They thought it was Mexico. They'd all go home. They'd have their lunch. They'd do all those kind of things. Then they'd go back to work in the evening. And they typically would work to about 9 p.m., something like that. Well, Paul, he would get up in the morning and he would go and he would make his tents. He'd have his sweatband on. He'd have his tent-making, leather-making tools on, all that kind of stuff. He'd make tents and then he would go and he would teach from typically 11-ish or whatever until 4 o'clock every day in this lecture hall. For about two years, Paul did that. It says that people all throughout the province of Asia, Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Why all throughout that area? Because remember, it was a place where everybody came to. It was a super transient place. So people would come and people would go. And they would go all over the world. Paul would teach them and tell them about. He would go in the public places where he knew people would be. Paul just didn't show up in his little Christian holy huddle all the time and talk about Jesus there. Paul would go on the campus. He would go out in public places. And he would teach people about. Verse 11 says that God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. It was not Paul, but it was God's power working through Paul where there were kind of some weird, unusual, I shouldn't say weird, like, you know, but just unusual miracles taking place. When handkerchiefs or aprons, you know, technically when we think of handkerchiefs, it's actually referring to, again, the sweatbands that Paul would have been wearing around his arms and around his head. Those kind of handkerchiefs is more like sweatbands, or his aprons, the apron that he would wear was he's making tents. This is what it's referring to, those, his tool-making stuff. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Like, you know, kind of weird stuff going on. Even the fact that people had demonic spirits, even in them, is just a little bit weird. Verse 13 tells us a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, so these itinerant traveling preachers, these Jewish priests would go from town to town and they were casting out evil spirits, trying to at least cast out evil spirits out of people. And they would say, They'd heard, they'd seen what was going on with the Apostle Paul. They're like, oh, I command you the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. They didn't know who Jesus Christ was. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of you are kind of like that. Some of you are like the Apostle Paul at the very beginning. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm really not, you know, I know God has called me. He's called all of us. But am I I specific? Am I missional? Am I living my life on mission? Am I telling others about Christ? Am I mentoring, discipling people? I need to figure that out. Check that out. Maybe I'm like those newer believers who really don't know anything at all about the Holy Spirit. I haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. I haven't surrendered. I know the Holy Spirit's in me, but I'm not familiar with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're like these dudes. You knew about Jesus. You've been around church for a long time. It's hard to be in American culture, not hear the name of Jesus, at least in a swear word. And you're kind of familiar. I think the kids want me to get done, so. (laughs) They don't know it's only 11 o'clock, really, so. (laughs) I'm going on for a while but maybe you're like these dudes the seven sons of Sceva you know you've heard about Christianity you've heard but you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus the seven sons of Sceva leading priests were doing this saying hey you know what in the name of Jesus whom Paul knows come out of these people they don't really know Jesus Seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house and naked and battered. The Bible's filled with streakers. I tell you guys that all the time. <laughs> Everybody's like, whoa, this is crazy stuff going on here. This whole power of God and they're seeing demonic things and people being healed. The story, verse 17 says, the story of what happened spread quickly throughout all out of Ephesus, this town, this city, to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confess their sinful practices. They're seeing all the stuff taking place. These people are believers, but it doesn't mean that they haven't stopped engaging in a lot of sin in their life. Many who became believers see all this taking place and they confess their sinful practices. In particular, it says a number of them who have been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and they burned them at A public bonfire the value of the books was several million dollars and when that happened it says the message about the lord spread widely and the message about the lord had a powerful effect and i just think about this story and i think about a friend a guy named andy boone and i knew andy um i I, you guys I, i don't have the best memory i forget lots of details but There are certain things I remember very, very well. And I remember probably about 25 years ago, I was speaking on a Sunday evening and I was talking about getting rid of things in our past that hold us back from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like with these, with these folks, like it says the me- when they got rid of all this stuff, it says then the message of the Lord spread widely and it had a powerful effect. Some of you, it's like God's word is not having the kind of effect upon your life that you want God's word to have, that you think it should have, and that you're hoping it would have. And part of it is you're holding on to crap from your past that you need to let go. There's some stuff that you need to get out of your life. I remember Andy, 25-ish years ago, and we were talking about this and getting rid of things in our past. And Andy did the unexpected to me. He actually leaves church. People were praying afterwards and he leaves church and he goes home and he comes back with trash bags, like lots and lots of trash bags full of music. At that time it was albums, right? You know, he has all these albums of all this music. Now, I'm not telling you you can't listen to Christian music, okay? But for him, it was like an idol in his life. He loved his Christian music almost, or excuse me, his non-Christian music almost as much as he loved Jesus Christ. And it was a tie to his past that he knew was a barrier for him that he was holding on to. And he brought... Trash bags of, of this non Christian music, and he threw them in the dumpster at church. I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And wouldn't you know it? I don't know exactly how soon afterwards, but it was just a few months or so after that that Andy gets called into ministry, and not just to be a pastor, but Andy becomes a missionary. I can't tell you 100%, but I can trace it back to that decision on that night that God began to work, or at least Andy began to hear God differently in his life when he chose to let go of things in his past. Paul was on a mission. Do we live our lives on a mission? Sometimes what culture accepts as normal is often totally opposed to following Jesus, and it must be abandoned. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10. You guys probably know this. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10. right? Old Testament passages. says, do not let your people practice fortune telling or sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft. Like, hey, like if you're going to see your local you know, uh, fortune teller, like you go see a therapist, then the Bible's like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that all of a sudden you're opening up doors and avenues and allowing yourself to be influenced by demonic presence and demonic power. If you're like messing with your Ouija board and you know, living your life by your horoscopes, like the Bible is super, super clear. But our culture says all that stuff is fine. Or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Oftentimes, what our culture says is normal is often totally opposed to Jesus and must be abandoned. What are you holding on to in your past? What are you allowing into your life that's opposed to what what it means to follow Jesus Christ? I think I asked that question, what are you holding on to that's interfering with the relationship with Jesus? What do you need to do to take seriously today? You know, Jesus says, well, 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter's writing, and he says the following. He says, abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander. In the, name, in, the same, that, in the same way that a nursing infant's cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. But we don't crave God's word Oftentimes we crave things that's opposed to following Jesus Christ. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity. And again, some of us were like, we're stuck in the past, we're not growing, we're not maturing because we're seeking other things. Fully nourished and strong for life. Jesus in Matthew 5:30 says, Hey, if there's things in your life that's caught, you like Jesus is like, get serious. If there's if your right hand's causing you to stumble, then cut it off. And he doesn't mean literally cut your right hand off. But spiritually, if there's sin in your life, if there's things in your life that's holding you back, then cut it off. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. What's holding you back? What's interfering with God's word having a powerful effect upon your life? Who do you identify with in this story? Let me close this in a word of prayer, and I think Gabe will probably. heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just because it's private, you know, uh, just a moment for yourself um, between you and the Lord. And I want to ask you um, for you to ask God to examine your heart. And Some of you are sitting here this morning and you have not been very missional in your life. You have not been intentional. You have not sought out other people to disciple. And quite frankly, it's because of selfishness, selfish of your time, or because it's of pride that you don't think God wants to use you or that you are capable. And I know that doesn't sound like pride, but it is, it's a negative form of pride. It still is all about you. So that, that's you this morning, I just want to ask you to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and stop being so selfish and to allow God to use you to pour into other people quit waiting for someone to come to you and you be willing to look for somebody else just like Paul he went and he sought people out it doesn't matter if you've only been a Christian for six months or a year there's still people who are younger in their faith than you The Bible says the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. It's referring to people coming to know Christ, but the discipleship is the same. I hope our church will be filled with people who say, God, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be missional. Would you use me? I'm going to look for people. Some of you are here this morning, and you have this whole, the whole Holy Spirit Talking about him makes you uncomfortable, you don't understand, you don't know. But you want to experience the presence and the love and the power and the intimacy. You want your character to be changed. You know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There may be other gifts that take place that happen that the Holy Spirit imparts, but when the Holy Spirit comes, you can't help but be a witness. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you can't help but have your character change as you walk with God's presence in your life. And Some of you have been, boy, you just didn't know. You didn't know the Holy Spirit was available. So I'm gonna invite you this morning to pray an ancient prayer. You say, Holy Spirit, Come. Come Holy Spirit. I just want to pause and allow you to say that to yourself. Holy Spirit, all across this room, in your gentle, yet undeniable way, that you come this morning. I want to pray for those of you who are here this morning you have something in your past that you love that's been valuable to you that you've held on to and you know what it is I don't even need to be there's so many things I don't even need to begin to describe them but would you be like these Christians in Ephesus be willing to lay those things down would you be like my friend Andy Boone who was willing to bring all that he had and give it to the Lord? He said, God, take this away from me. I want your word to be powerful in my life. Just tell the Lord right now. And maybe later on this afternoon, there's something literally that you're going to do. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Those incantation books worth millions of dollars. Don't hold on to your past. You've been wondering what kind of soul ties you have to your past. It's probably what you're thinking about right now. Finally, for those of you here, maybe it's the seven sons of Sceva. You've been familiar with Jesus, but you've never asked Christ in your life opportunity to do that this morning whether you're here in the room or you're listening online just yourself you can pray this prayer Jesus this morning I invite you into my life to be in charge of my life Jesus I surrender my heart my life, my thoughts, my words my actions to you I don't understand at all Jesus but I want to follow you I believe you want what's best for my life. And I want to know that. And I want to follow you, Jesus. Would you forgive me of my past, all of my sins? Would you wipe that slate clean in my life? I want to start over with you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for me. You were buried, and you rose again, and you're living now. I want to be born again. I want to have spiritual life in me. I want to be in relationship with God the Father. So Jesus, I invite you this morning to come into my life. I don't want to just be familiar with you, Jesus, but I want to be in relationship with